Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. We're going to get in the Word of God right now. God's table, we've been talking about His table, and His table is a table of provision. Amen? God is a provider. So if you would come with me right now into 2 Samuel 9 and verse 13, and it says this, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always, say always, ate at the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. The, uh, the title of my message tonight is Tension Around the Table. Tension Around the Table. We serve a God of incredible vision. One of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. We serve God who provides. And his table is a table of provision. And I want to show you in his word tonight how much God can provide into our worlds and how much he cares about every need. And I want to show you two stories, two places of God's table. And the first is found in Exodus 25, 23. If we can go there, it says, make a table of acacia wood. You can go to verse three now. It says, overlay it with pure gold. Say generous. Man. And make gold moldings around it. Let's go to verse 29. And it makes its plates, dishes, and dishes, sorry, of pure gold, as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Say forgiveness. And put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. Would you say relationship with me? Relationship. The gold, the bread, and the wine are all symbols of God's incredible provision into our world. Amazing. And these provisions are mirrored in another story of a table that we find in the New Testament where Jesus comes and sits down at a table to take communion with his disciples. He's about to go and give his life for all of us. But before he does this, he makes a point to stop. And take communion. And this is incredible. Let's look in Matthew 26. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture tonight, but it's good for you. And uh, in verse 20, it says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table. Now, at the table of the tabernacle, it says it was covered in gold, which symbolizes to us God's outrageous generosity to us. And then at the table of communion, there is Jesus the most generous, outrageous gift that God has ever given. I'm telling you now, Jesus is the greatest gift that God could ever give you. If God gives you nothing else but Jesus, it'd be worth it. Our God is generous, amen? If you believe he's generous, come on, let's give God a hand tonight. I've always been told that when a preacher preaches, you're always going to get more out of the message if we're responsive. So can you be responsive with me tonight? Can we get into this? Come on, it's the Word of God. I know it's Sunday night, but it's a good night. Are we we happy? We're good? Come on, let's get into this. God is generous. He is generous. Is He generous some of the times or all the time? He's generous all the time. And you know what? I want to replicate God's nature in my own life. That's what we're called to do. To become more like Jesus. And the thing about your nature is it's who you are because of what you do. I'll give that to you again, because this is good. Your nature is who you are because of what you do. If you want to be a generous person, it's really simple. Just start being generous. The Bible says in Isaiah 32 and 8, but generous people plan 
to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. I'm telling you, church, we are a generous church. And I tell you, when I came to this church, the first thing that got changed in my life is I just started being a generous person. I'd come to church ready with my tithe. I'd come to church ready with my offering. And don't worry about all the, oh, is it right or the Bible? Look, just forget about it. Just be generous. God is generous, so we can be generous. I don't know any argument why we can't be generous. God is good. We're in vision builder season right now. And the Bible tells us that we are blessed to be a blessing. And sometimes it's hard because we kind of go, is it, we're kind of waiting for God to bless us so that we can start being a blessing. But can I just tell you, if you just start blessing, even with the little that you have, you say, God, I'm just going to believe and I'm just going to start pouring out of that place. God looks at your life. He says, if you're faithful with the little, he will give you much. And as soon as you open that door, God starts pouring his blessing into your world. Our God is generous. Amen. All right. Secondly, we see this bread. Okay, so it says in verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, eat, this is my body. Now, at the table of the tabernacle, they would put out this bread called the bread of his presence. It's basically 12 loaves made of this unleavened bread. And what would happen is they would take it out every week, new bread. And at the end of the week, the priest would come in and they would sit down in the presence of God and they would eat. It signifies relationship. God is a God of relationship. He's not distant, cold, or far. He is very near and very close. Now, the crazy thing was, is that if the priest would touch something unclean or would sin and get stuff in their life, suddenly they were considered unclean and they couldn't take part in relationship with God because sin blocks our relationship with God. And then we find Jesus at the table of communion and he holds up the bread and he says, this is my body. Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds was healed. Jesus resolved once and for all every single sin, every single thing that stops us having relationship with God. God who has provided a way. Who is thankful that God has provided a way for us to have relationship with him tonight? And lastly, it says he takes the cup and he gave thanks and offered it then to them and saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the covenant which is poured out for many. At the table in the tabernacle, there was wine in a cup. And at the end of the week again, they would come and they would pour it out as an offering. It signifies rest. It was the day of the Sabbath. Wine in the Bible also signifies victory. And here is Christ seated at the table about to pour out his own life as a drink offering for all. And his blood that is victorious, the only thing that has, gives us complete rest and complete victory over every sin that is in our lives. I am so thankful for a God that was so generous for my need of salvation. He has provided, but this is really cool, because he doesn't just provide for our salvation, he also cares about every area of our lives. See, he takes the bread, and when I think of him breaking the bread, I remember stories in the Bible where Jesus would pick up bread, and he would start to break it and multiply it just to feed people's needs, their most basic needs, their hunger. He takes the wine, and I think of the first miracle that Jesus ever did. He went to a party, and they were running out of wine. It's at the end of the party. 
Trust me, they've had enough wine. But just so the host wouldn't be embarrassed, just so the host wouldn't have the shame of feeling like he didn't have enough, he couldn't provide, Jesus goes in and finds every barrel of water and turns it into the best range hermitage wine these people have ever tasted. Our God is a God who supplies all our needs. Do you agree? Amen. However, the issue is that sometimes it can be hard for us to see God's provision when we are in the midst of our current circumstances of lack. Psalm 23, sorry, verse 5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God's table is placed right in the middle of our mess. I can kind of sympathize with this scene. Uh, Dinner in our house is reasonably chaotic. And uh, the reason it is chaotic is not because I have a bunch of enemies trying to barrage their way into my household, but it is because I have two small children under the age of four. And these girls, they're beautiful, and they're very, very small, but you mustn't let their size fool you. These girls are the messiest girls you have ever seen. They come into my living room, and like that, there's a natural disaster. It's like, I come in, I'm like, what just happened? Do we have a tidal wave through here? SAS are kind of walking through my living room. Stay back, sir. Your daughters have been through. It's a mess. And what I find is that I'd much prefer that God would take my table out of the mess. Because although I love my girls, and they love me, and I try to be the best dad I can, I'm not without my faults, and one of my faults is, is I hate mess. Ah, oh, man, I hate, God's got a sense of humor, huh? I hate mess. I'm watching this spaghetti get mushed and wiped, and I'm just freaking out, and I just want God to take this table of provision, my beautiful family, and just put it somewhere nice and clean. Maybe some jazz music in the background, you know, low lighting. Jacob Lung preparing food for us, in front of us. Where are you, Jacob? Stand up, Jacob. He's an amazing guy. Alex Farmco, maybe he's in the corner reciting poetry over us, and Pastor Phil is there, and he's just sitting, taking a still life of this incredible scene before me, and uh, I'm looking at my wife, she's looking at me, we're playing footsies under the table. My children are seated, smiling, slightly sedated, basking in the glow of their incredible daddy. (laughs) But then, with a smash, I am brought back to the stark, harsh reality of my current situation. And I see as my daughter takes up food and starts to just use it as shampoo, mushing it in her hair. My other daughter is painting on the table with spaghetti sauce. And although I want to keep my eyes on all the provision that God has placed before me, my attention is taken to my enemies around me, my age-old nemesis of mess. And for many of us, there is tension around our table between what God has said He has provided for us and our very real, and at times very raw, mess. And so I take you back to the story of Mephibosheth. And just so you know, I'll give you a bit of background. Uh, I'll be quick. But Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. And Jonathan was King David's best friend. 
they were tight. They were like brothers. They did everything together. They, they loved each other in a really healthy platonic way. And they cared for one another. And they were so tight. But King Jonathan's father, King Saul, hated David. Hated him. He was jealous of David. And he tried to kill David. And he chased David out. And Jonathan helps David escape. And just before David has to leave, Jonathan and David, they are meeting. They make a covenant. And David promises Jonathan that when I am king, you and all of your lineage, I'll look after. The sad thing is that they part ways and Jonathan doesn't go with David. He stays with his father. And as a result, they get in a fight and a battle and King Saul is killed. He kills himself and his son is killed. And it's a terrible day. And in all of the mess, in all of the craziness, all of Saul's household are fearful that David is going to come and kill them all. They think that he is cruel and harsh, but he's a really good king. I kind of feel like Saul must have just spoken into his family how horrible David was and painted this lie of David, but he was a good king. And so in the craziness and in the kind of freaking out, Mephibosheth as a boy, he's five years old, is there. And his maid comes and picks him up and she's running him out. And as she's running, she slips and she drops him. And immediately, the Bible says, he became crippled. Mephibosheth means dispeller of shame, remover of shame. And I kind of feel like Jonathan must have named him as a promise that all the shame in his family line from his father saw all the mess that his father had caused. His son was going to remove the shame. And here is his boy, broken, no purpose in his walk, no strength in his stance. And they take him down to a place called Lodabar, which means pastureless, a place of lack. And here he is, nowhere to go, in a place surrounded by lack. But God is a great restorer. He restores all things. And so King David comes, and he remembers the covenant that he set up with Jonathan. And he says this, In 2 Samuel 9 and verse 1, he said, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? I wonder if God is here tonight, remembering his covenant he made with us when he sent his son to the cross to die for us and that anyone who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. And I wonder if God is here tonight saying, Is there anyone I can show my kindness to? Is there anyone here tonight I can show my grace to? Is there anyone here tonight I can show my favor to? Is there anyone here tonight I can show my healing to? Is there anyone here tonight I can show my mercy to? So David, he hears about Mephibosheth and his servants say, yeah, there's this guy, Mephibosheth. He says, go get him, go get him, bring him, bring him, bring him, bring him. And I love this. He's brought to King David's table that's already laid with provision. God's already got the provision. And it says this in verse 6, When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. In other words, he was afraid. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid. I love that. Don't be afraid. David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of of your father, Jonathan. Mephibosheth was afraid of the king 
Because again, he'd been told that David was a cruel, harsh, horrible king. And the reason tonight that some of us are stuck in our lap, trapped in unbelief, trapped in anxiety, trapped in sin, trapped in fear, is because we have this false perception of God. And instead of running to God in our time of need, we run away from God. Because the devil has put in our mind a lie, which is a filter of condemnation, that says God is saying, you're not good enough. You'll never be free of this. God can't save you. God can't help you. God can't heal you. Heal you. But we serve a good God. And He is good all the time, church. Oh, come on. If you're here tonight and you are thankful that God is good. He's good all the time. But you can never experience God's goodness until you understand about His character. And I want to tell you something about God. God is full of uns. I know, it's weird. He's full of uns. God has unlimited, if we can get the first one, unlimited, oh, sorry, unconditional love. Unconditional love. There is nothing you can do that make God love you more. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you less. And out of his unconditional love, he has unmerited favor. That's his grace. That's his grace. Unmerited. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's just there. And the thing about grace, people say that grace is greasy. Like we've got to be talking about, can't be talking about grace too much because grace is greasy. People start sinning. Grace is the stickiest substance I've ever met. Because grace sticks you right bang next to Jesus. And if you will stick to Jesus, he will stick with you. And despite of your shortfallings, despite in the moment of your weaknesses, despite the very present muck in our lives, we find that as we journey with Christ, these things begin to work out. It's called the process of sanctification. Now, the crazy thing about sanctification is that God says, when we come to Christ, we are healed, we are whole, we, everything's moved, we're completely set apart to Him. Yet there is an underlying truth that all the while away, we're just kind of thankful that God's there because we know ourselves and we know our stuff and we know that we don't deserve God. Sorry, God doesn't deserve... Yes, that way, that's good. We know all these things and His grace works with us. And lastly, I'm sorry, I've got two more. This is good news. Unmerited favor. Unlimited provision. Now you say, well, you know, you know, I'm not really expecting much out of my life. My daddy, he was kind of poor and he never really taught me how to make money. Your God is your daddy and he runs the universe. Girls, I know you think, because Beyonce said that you run the world, but you don't. God does. He's your father and he has wisdom in his book that you can find how to live and find provision in our world. It is so good. And lastly... He is unchanging in his promises. Check this, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? What God says is truth. If he says you're healed, you're healed. If he says you're blessed, you're blessed. If he says you're favored, you're favored. God is true. He cannot lie. He's so good. He's so good.
So Mephibosheth is placed at this table. It says at the table, he finds restoration. It says at the table that he finds promise spoken over his life. And much the same tonight, we are seated at God's table. And in his blood, we find restoration. We find complete healing. We find complete grace. And at his table is bread, which is the word of God. And that was just my microphone falling off my back, which I will now pick up and place here on the table. And in his word is God's promise. His promises for your life. And the story ends with this in verse 13 where we started. It says, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And I'm not trying to add to scripture here, people, so don't stone me or blog about me. But I just want to just, 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 can I read it to you how I read it? Is that all right? Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was still crippled in both feet. See, the tension around the table is between what God has said you are and what God says you have and the very present realization of our own lacks between who we think we are and who, what we think we have. And the tension is resolved by faith. Because if I don't look under the table, I can't see my lameness. If I just keep my eyes at the table... I just see provision. Hmm. Come on. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through, who, through Him, the Amen is spoken by us. Hmm. Are you healed? Yes. Are you whole? Yes. Do, do I have enough? Yes. Is, is God for me? Yes. Will this thing work out? Yes. 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 But until you say amen, you'll never get your yes. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. But it only takes faith to link the two. And so let's get our eyes off all our mess and fix it back on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith tonight. Amen. He is our provider, our ever-present help in time of need. And He'll provide for you. We're going to be taking vision, uh, completing our vision builders later. And as I said before, you may be feeling like, I've never really taken part in that. I'm not sure if I could do that. I don't know. Listen. Walk by faith, not by sight. God's not expecting you to do something stupid. Put yourself into debt. He loves you. But He does want you to stretch. And as we stretch in our faith, as we walk by faith, not by our own sight, we will see God's provision in our lives every day. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you that you love us so deeply. We thank you, God, for all of our provision. Thank you, Lord, for our incredible families. Even when they're not so incredible, God, you're there and you're on our journey with us. God, we thank you for our own life, even when we sometimes we're not happy with our circumstances, we're not happy with our situations, but God, you are with us on a journey. And I thank you, Lord God, that your provision is there, Lord God, 
is we take our eyes off our issues, we take our eyes off our struggles, we take our eyes off our disappointments, and we place them back on your table of provision and receive. What you believe, that's what you will receive. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.